0: So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: There's not much else we could talk about at the start of this week's retro ups and downs other than the fact that we are covering no way out 2000 and when you talk about no way out 2000 you have to talk about the retirement of one Michael Foley. Now yes this didn't actually turn out to be his retirement, I mean we all know that story, but you know why he came back to the Wild Wrestling Federation? Because Vince McMahon rang up and said, hey pal, do you want to be in the main event of Wrestlemania? You show me someone that would turn that down and I will show you a damn liar. Even with that though, who cares? If you zone in on this night, you can see that Mick Foley was clearly intending to do this because it is etched all over his face from the moment you do see him until the moment he waves goodbye. His story is just the best too foley was told over and over you're never gonna make it you don't have the right look for professional wrestling you should go and find something else to do and as we stand here in the modern day he is rightfully known as a legend and that is not only very motivational but it's damn inspiring if you have had a career like cactus jack mankind dude love whatever the hell you want to call him in fact you would dream for a career like that and he's also been involved in some moments that will never die. Think about that. The main one, of course, being when he got thrown off the top at the Hell of the Cell at King of the Ring 1998. I mean, it's over 20 years later and you still walk up to your friends going, do you want to see this really cool fall? And they go, whoa, man, I can't believe it. It happened in the late 90s. I mean, he changed wrestling in many ways because he took the bar and he pushed it up so high that other wrestlers were like, well, how the hell did we top that? So they started like lawn darting themselves into glass. Mick Foley is the best though. He is the absolute best and I will forever be giving him a salute. The other small stories of notes from around this period also have amazing headlines, because they read, Hulk Hogan ruining WCW due to creative control clause, and then another was, The Rock being considered for a part in The Mummy 2. How poignant are both those things now? If I had told you where Jane Johnson was going to be in 2021, back in 2000, you would have rightfully slapped me right round the face. Although to be fair, the same could be said about Hulk Hogan, but then you start to cry and just be massively disappointed. Still in front of 12,500 live fans and 480,000 fans on pay-per-view, it is time to up those downs for No Way Out 2000. And by the way, if you so care, the tagline for this event was time to play the game. I mean, it may as well have just said, McFoley is going to lose that match. Let's up those downs. Angle versus Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship is our first contest. I just want to talk about Kurt Angle for just one second. Because do not forget, he has barely started come February 2000, but he's already so good in the ring, and he's got all the character stuff down. I mean, he is such a dick, and he's coming up with words like Euro Continental Champion. And as we all know, when you come up with dumb stuff in sports entertainment, we all just love it. Or at least I do, I like buffoons. This was also that bizarre period where Chris Jericho and China had just become friends. But because China was such a huge star, she would get an entrance of her own. So Kurt Angle comes out, and then China comes out, and then Chris Jericho comes out, but then China isn't in the match and she just stands at ringside. Like, If this was the first event you'd ever watch, you'd be like, oh my gosh, the entirety of this thing is just gonna be people walking down the ramp because everybody has to get an entrance. Jericho is also the champion here and looks so damn young, it makes me hate father time. It's absolutely terrifying, but I tell you, this is really fun up. I mean, they also go nuts. The height that Kurt Angle gets off a backdrop to the outside is lunacy. And then later on, he's just doing a Frankensteiner. That would be like you turning up to a guitar lesson and then in six months, you're playing Freebird. I mean, everybody would hate you because everybody hates people that play Freebird, but you would still be a very good guitarist. You could also tell that it's early doors because Kurt Angle does hit the Olympic slam and Chris Jericho kicks out at two and nobody really cares about this. And really, this is an experiment of sitting down and going, I wonder when the Attitude Era will kick in And it was around about eight minutes. Because Kurt just gets bored and goes, you know what, I'm going to get a title and try and twonk Chris Jericho right in the head. But the referee stops that, so Chris Jericho locks on the walls. But given the official had got involved, Around about eight seconds after this, he goes down as well. China then attacks because there is no official and we better do something with her. But she actually gets bumped to when Kurt Angle looks around and goes, oh my gosh, no one's watching me. So he gets another title. Chris Jericho jumps off the rope, goes straight into it, allowing Kurt to pin him for the one, two, three. And yes, become the Intercontinental Champion. And this was also a time when we had all that stupid stuff between the referees. Because El Hebner comes out to tell Timmy White, well, you did a terrible job. And Timmy White goes, well, I don't care. So once more, you think they're a reverse decision, but they don't do nothing. Well, they do, but it's later on in the show. Still, though, if you are looking for an opening match that makes you all comfy and go, oh, I wonder what's going to happen... This ain't a bad way to go about it. We were clearly trying to change as many championships as we could, too, to keep the fans happy, because we all know what's going to happen at the end of this night. Because then, straight after this, you'll get the New Age Outlaws defending their titles, their tag titles, against the Dudley Boys. And the Dudley boys beat them. And once again, the action era says hello. It goes for five minutes. Now, there is a reason for this, so it does get a pass, and that's because Billy Gunn had actually got injured and needed to be written off TV. And that was going to happen the next night on Raw, where Degeneration X would turn on him and he wouldn't be seen for around about six months. The crowd just want to chant ECW throughout this, though, because of Bubba and Devon, because it's so weird to think. If you do watch a pay per view, a WWE show from 2000, Extreme Championship Wrestling, is still going and that just befuddles my mind in 2021 it has been a long ass time. Gunn is still able to hit a famous on d and Bubba breaks it up at two before he starts using a pipe and before yes another referee gets bumped. Now I want you to take the pipe and put it in your brain and I want you to take the second referee bump and put it in your brain because we are going to have to address these points later. All of this was designed though so there'd be so much fracas the Dudley boys could bust out the 3D and that move may get the biggest pop of the night and they use it to get the one two three and yeah they become the tag team champions and I I think this surprised me back in 2000, and it surprised me again 21 years later, and that makes me an idiot. We also have some dissension afterwards the Road dog is like, oh, Billy Guy, you're so rubbish, I don't want to be your tag team partner anymore, because again, this was meant to be a tease, but it was more like a baseball bat right to your skull. This was fine though, and while the thought of getting such little time, especially when you're chaining the titles, wouldn't fly today, it certainly does back then, or at least it didn't feel out of place. Uh, After this we get our first segment with Kurt Angle who is just going to as many fans as he can and celebrating because of course he is now the Eurocontinental Champion. Now I'm pretty sure WWE were hoping that some people would boo him, but who the hell was going to do that? Imagine you had gone to a pay-per-view and you would burn a soda cup and all of a sudden you saw a superstar. You wouldn't care if they're a good guy. You wouldn't care if they're a bad guy. You just go nuts and this is what happens here and for all the rest of them they do throughout the show. What nobody was cheering for was our next match. Mark Henry versus Viscera down. Jim Ross insults this right away because he essentially goes, well, I think this is going to be a crap match. I was like, oh, cheers, JR. Thanks very much for that. And not only do the audience just sit on their hands, but they soon start to chant boring. This does not go very well at all. It's not actually that bad, all things considered, and some of their power moves are quite entertaining. But the real issue is that towards the end, out runs Mae Young, and yes, this is when Mae Young was pregnant and within 24 hours was going to give birth to a flipping hand. But think of that as well. The story is meant to be Mark Henry is dating this old woman and the old woman is so worried about her man that she comes out to confront Viscera even though Viscera looks like he's eaten about 82 Mae Youngs. It did set Mark Henry off though because Viscera decides, well, I'm just going to give you a big splash. And all of a sudden, Henry is back to his feet. He gives Big Vist the big slam. And he pins him for the one, two, three. So I can only assume the narrative here is that love, no matter who you love, will conquer all. The best part about all of this is when I was doing my research, it turns out that a lot of fans didn't see this part of the transmission back in 2000 because there was a technical feed and yet nobody complained. Let's just move on. Because we do have tag team action next, it's the Hardys versus Edge and Christian in a number one contender match. And look, that is never going to be bad up. This was also the night that Terry Runnels returned to the WWE. And while she was teaming with the Hardys, she was also about to screw them over in around about 10 minutes time. And I will just spoil it for you now. It's because when she was out hurt, she didn't think that Matt and Jeff came to visit her in the local medical facility enough. So if we're talking about the depth of storylines, well, it's pretty much on the surface. The real star of this though, as ever, is Jeff Hardy. Because the young Jeff Hardy just doesn't give a flub. Some of the bumps he is taking here. Because this powerbomb he takes early on is essentially like death. And then later on when he is about to dive off the top rope and Terry Reynolds pushes him to go, Haha, I'm evil now. He just throws himself into the barricade. And I mean it literally, he forgets what wrestling is. He forgets it's a work and goes, well, if somebody's pushed me, I better hurl my skull into this hard thing. I do not understand how he's still wrestling. He is a flipping Marvel. They do have a decent match as well until all these shenanigans, because Terry Runnels does that and then she slaps Matt Hardy and he is so distracted, he backs into the unprettier, which Christian gives him. One, two, three. And afterwards, Terry's like, oh, I'm so happy Edge and Christian, I love you now. And while Christian is like, uh, no, you don't, Edge is a bit like, well, I don't care. I just wanted to win. So we planted a seed to break them up is more evidence. It's not just in the modern day we couldn't keep teams together. Whenever there was any kind of opportunity to go, whoop, you're done, we did it. You also get a quick brawl between the APA and the Hardys afterwards, because Terry Reynolds had hired the Acolytes for some reason. And once again, Jeff Hardy, Farouk is trying to dominate him, right? Trying to give him the dominator. But something goes wrong. So Farouk gets pissed off and he just dumps Jeff Hardy on his head. I wanted to write him a note. Dear Jeff Hardy, please take care of yourself. Then I realized I didn't have like a time traveling post box. So there was nothing I could
0: say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend.
2: rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. You get all the fallout between Edge and Christian after this, but we
1: also cut to an interview with The Big Show, and what the hell was wrong with that guy? He seemed so bored. He was like, oh, man, The Rock says he threw me out of the Royal Rumble, but he didn't throw me out the Royal Rumble, but I will show you later. I was like, man, somebody give that guy some energy. And I also said that about what was followed, because they didn't have time to do flubbing anything. Because it is Taz versus the big boss man and even though Taz only debuted a month earlier at the 2000 Raw Rumble, he is booked to, well not even lose, but it goes like 40 seconds and then Prince Albert is there, he attacks Taz and that's just it. I mean, it's nothing. It's pointless. I didn't get it. I mean, it's all said and done before you can say Vince McMahon doesn't like ECW. And I get what we were trying to do here. Even though we hit him with a nightstick and even though Prince Albert punches Taz right in the balls, he won't stay down. So we're meant to think he's a tough guy, but it is still two, no disrespect to them, WWF mid carders beating up the dude that just debuted who everybody loves. So it's quite clear that whatever we did have with him, we are just trying to end. And look, just go and find any interview with Taz. He will talk about this. He deserved a lot better. We then moved on to X-Pac and Kane. I just want to tell you a quick story. I was a huge Kane fan back then, and I'm still a huge Kane fan to this day, when he walked out at Bad Blood in 1997, I looked at him and as a stupid child, I was like, well, that's just some serial killer who must've gone to management with a knife and was all like, oh, you better let me be a wrestler. Otherwise I'll stab you. And because nobody wanted to die, they acquiesced, which is why he was here. I also like X-Pac. He was always really good in the ring. And I know some people are like, oh, he's got X-Pac heat, but I appreciated his high flying ways. So what the flub was this story? Because for some reason, the creative team in 2000 decided Oh man, what Kane really needs is a look into his love life. We should give him a girlfriend. I didn't need this. I wanted to see fire come from ring posts. Not go to bed at night thinking, oh man, but well at least I know Kane is snuggling down with his babe. I also could never get over the fact that X-Pac made him talk for real because when he used that voice box thing, Kane, it was just so much more, well, it just suited the character better. So can you imagine how I felt when it turned out that X-Pac had betrayed his friend Kane and was having an affair with his girlfriend Tory. For some reason, it means they have to have a no DQ match because that's just professional wrestling, and it makes absolutely no sense. And look, this does have its highlights, especially when Paul Bearer and Tori get into it. Paul tries to chase her, and then after about ten seconds, he's like, Ah, to hell with it. You also do get to see X Pac giving the Undertaker's brother a Bronco Buster, and as we always say here on Ups and Downs, that is just taking your groin and thrusting it into somebody else's face. I think you should be doing that with the big red machine. Tory starts interfering because of course it is the attitude here and that's just what we did. So Kane grabs her and gives her the tombstone as Jim Ross shouts, Tombstone Tory! And he sounds really proud of himself. But this also allows X-Pac to hurl the steps into Kane's face and then use the weight of them as leverage and he gets the pin... I'm sorry, that is a really stupid bad finish. So, of course, it is going to have to get it down. And also, X-Pac here with his entrance music once more is coming to the whole make some noise theme. And last time I talked about this and I said it actually sounds like someone going, X-Pac, no one believed me. And they came at me all mad. I had to listen to this five times before I heard the make some noise so you're not allowed to say it anymore. It's my show, it's my rules, this is the law. Even though it does say make some noise, it sounds like x and I will never hear another word about it. We then cut to the back and we're having an interview with the radicals. And the only sentence you need to know is that Perry Saturn says that dancing should only happen on tables when he's got a bunch of dollar bills. Holy shit! He was, of course, saying this because they were about to take on Two Cool, who, after their matches, would do a little bit of a shindig. And never forget that in 2000, the whole WCW to WWE thing was a massive deal, which is why Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, and Perry Saturn had just jumped ship, and nobody could believe it. Guerrero was injured here, so he just served as out the ring manager. But now let's bring back. The flipping pipe, because for the second match, when it came to using a weapon, Eddie decides, well, I must use a pipe, which begs the question, why the hell were the Dudleys using one earlier? Guerrero somehow makes this incredibly entertaining because he just had that way about him. And what really shuts up the crowd is as scotty Too hotty is going for the worm, Dean Malenko just wrecks him and stops him in his tracks. I started to giggle a little bit because it is just so brutal rikishi gets a monster pop when he has the hot tag and he ruins saturn as well and i know that we have talking about the tag clacks and uh, a lot here on ups and downs when a noise apparently does sound in the ether and all the wrestlers go well i can get in the ring but it is so chaotic here you utterly lose who is meant to be the legal man and who is not. I mean, it is an assault on your senses. Which is why when Rikishi just grabs Dean Malenko, gives him the Rikishi driver and then hits him with the bonsai drop and the referee goes, one, two, three. I was like, is that even correct? I don't know. And even went back to try and keep up with it, but I don't think it's possible. But there is so much chaos like we're in Sonic there's only one thing to do we gotta give it an up before we do move on though WWE did try to justify this madness by going well look what happened the referee got knocked out again but that is the third one we've had on no way out and in around about 20 minutes we were about to get another one Four referee bumps on a two hour and 50 minute show? That does not rub Simon Miller up the right way. So you know the deal, down. We then had all the follow up from the 2000 Raw Rumble and to this day, I don't really know what the plan actually was. Because I have read here, there, and everywhere, but no one seems to agree. Because on one side of the story, Mill, you have The Rock accidentally put his feet on the mat when he was eliminating The Big Show from the Royal Rumble, but that was a mistake. But on the other, it was no, The Rock was meant to do that because WWE wanted to have a small program between The Rock and The Big Show. All I know is it was a very convoluted way to set up a McMahon in every corner at WrestleMania, but also, at No Way Out, we're only five weeks away from WrestleMania. And back in 2000, everybody already knew what the main event was going to be. So I don't trust it. Anywho, the idea here was whoever did win between The Rock and The Big Show would go on to main event WrestleMania against Triple H. And this is also why it's so baffling. Stone Cold Steve Austin was injured at the moment, but everyone was like, well, that's okay. We'll just take all this love and put it on The Rock. And then he lost. I mean, just do a Batista and give me what I want. But instead, WWE did another ref bump because they're absolutely crazy that way, which led to the return of Shane McMahon gotta give a lot of praise to him the reaction he gets i mean it would put a smile on your face but yes before that l hebner has been knocked down so timmy white comes out to try and make the one two three but then l hebner pulls timmy white out the ring and they start fighting so once again your brain is about to explode and even though you think shano is going to help the great one just as he's about to drop the people's elbow mcmahon gets a chair he smashes it right in his skull chokeslam after that one, two, three, apparently the main event of WrestleMania is going to be the Big Show versus Triple H. And if you believe that, give me a call because I've got a pyramid scheme to sell to you. It just doesn't work though and it's overly wrong and you didn't give the fans what the fans wanted and we ended up with that four way, which I always thought was a little bit disappointing too. Down. We then cut to our last Kurt Angle celebratory segment after this. <laughs> I had no recollection. Because as he is getting to his car, Chris Jericho and China attack him they put him in the boot of a vehicle, and then they just drive off. And I'm sorry, that's called kidnapping. Apparently the cops don't care about this because they never looked into it. No wonder deep down, we all loved Mr. Angle. He was getting ruined every turn. Straight after this though, we do go into our main event, which is pretty damn intense. Because not only is the WWF Championship on the line, not only is Cactus Jack or Mick Foley's career on the line, but it's also happening in a hell in a cell. And everything about this just rocks. Jim Ross is clearly aware that Mick Foley is going to retire, so he sells this like it's the most important thing in the world. And the chemistry between Triple H and Mick Foley... Well, it is just wonderful and it is just fabulous. It's also the third or fourth time Foley had put in such a good performance that it had taken Triple H up to another level. Now look, the game back in 2000 was already brilliant, but he just needed something to give him that extra edge. And he found it in this feud with Mick Foley. And by the end of it, you look to him and yeah, You're the best bad guy in the business. And of course, it has lost something a little bit in hindsight because you know that Mick Foley is going to come back to the promotion. But again, never forget why. The main event of WrestleMania, it's something that all wrestlers crave and all wrestlers want. I know that I would have done it, and I bet you would have done too. Despite the fact he's killing a bunch of pain and his body is basically broken down too, Foley just does everything here in order to make this match a success. And not only that crazy bump that we will talk about in a minute, when they do bust out of the cell because there is a gimmicked wall, they climb up to the top, Triple H stands on Mick Foley's hands and he falls from the side through the announce table, much like Vince McMahon did at St. Valentine's Day massacre in 1999. And I actually think that is a worse fall than the infamous one that ended the damn thing because the way that he falls on it, his body just contorts in such a horrible way and it did not look like that wood broke very easily. They're then both giving and taking suplexes and DDTs on top of the cell, and I'm sorry, there is no kind of mesh that is going to make that comfortable, and I had completely forgotten that Mick Foley gets a barbed wire bat and he sets it on fire, and he hits Triple H in the head. I mean, what was he thinking? What if he had set a flame to Triple H's glorious hair? It doesn't happen, though, because just as Foley's about to pile drive Hunter onto this bat, instead, Triple H stands up and yes, Mick Foley goes flying up in the air and then through the roof of the cage as he slams down into the mat. And much like AEW's blood and guts, I always see people complaining, going, oh, the way that he fell into the squared circle looks stupid, but I'm sorry. That is a part of baloney. When you watch the replays for this, it is a terrifying collision And you would have to have balls of steel to even think about it. The really fascinating part about this, though, is the gimmicking of the ring actually happened during the match. So when us fools were looking at the top of the cell going, Oh my God, I can't believe they're fighting. You had WWE production staff getting all of this ready. I just think that's pretty damn impressive. I also love the fact that Triple H ensures he follows this up with a pedigree because he really wanted to sell the fact that Cactus Jack and Mick Foley would never die, but unfortunately that is one move too many. He's counted out for the three and Triple H and Stephanie Man get the hell out of there so Mick Foley can bask in the applause and the glory for one last time, kinda. Foley sells all this wonderfully though, I mean his facials are absolutely perfect probably because they are real and if you can forget what happens afterwards, you may just find that you have a tear in your eye. The or you're cutting onions, or you accidentally poked yourself in your eyeball. There are many reasons, but maybe you're just feeling emotional up. And as ever, before I do leave you, I would give you Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer newsletter ratings. Angle versus Jericho got three stars. The Dudleys versus the New Age Outlaws got two and a half stars. Mark Henry versus Viscera got a quarter of a star. Edge and Christian versus the Hardys got three stars. I mean, Taz and Bossman got a dud. I don't know how he get anything. It barely started. Kane versus Expat got two and three quarter stars. Two Cool versus the Radicals got three stars. The Rock versus The Big Show got one and three-quarter stars. The Big Dave didn't like that one. And the main event got four and a
2: half stars. Join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.